Greetings and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who keeps his artifact of power somewhere that rhymes within his pants, Mr. Lord Bobgarden, Lauren! <laughs> What's up, Brent Adams? How are you, my friend? I don't know where that could be. What's what going what on? rhymes with pants? I don't know. I actually that I, makes me think of uh, the Seinfeld episode. I don't know if you remember that one. Is it is maybe? it Mulva? It's not Do you remember when, I'm when he's trying when he's trying to guess the woman's name and she says it's something that rhymes with the female ana- part of the oh, female right, anatomy? Right, right. Dolores, Dolores, as she as she storms out the door. That's exactly right. That's what it makes me think of. Now I'm going to be thinking. I'm going to be thinking throughout the entire show. What rhymes with pants? Uh, if you can come up with anything, let me know, and uh, and and we'll title the episode that. In the meantime, welcome back, everybody. It's springtime, and you know what that means. Time to get serious about your gaming habits. Now that it's nice and warm outside, it's time to crank up the AC, sit on the couch, and play some video games. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, you're not actually. No, I'm I mean, really, really not kidding. We could do some more games in January and February. I agree. See, that's the th- like the winter months. You're inside anyway, hibernating and shit. Um, let's talk about the greatest thing that humanity has ever created, <laughs> ever. And it's first up this week in the garage. That is the announcement trailer for Deus Ex: Mankind Divided, the follow-up right. to one of my favorite games of last generation, Deus Ex. Human Revolution. Lauren, I've heard it. <laughs> you liked Deus Ex Human Revolution, didn't you? So let me tell you. So first of all, of course, you I can only think to tell me. I can only think of you when I saw this announcement, and I, I, I don't want to get anyone excited, specifically you. But I have downloaded, re-downloaded Deus Ex Human Revolution, uh, the director's cut, which I don't remember buying, but apparently I did. Um, and I, I want to start that game and all over and play it through again, just to, in preparation for Mankind Divided. Although we do not know when Mankind Divided is coming, so they didn't say anything about. It. They didn't even say like 2016 or 2015, and so we don't know yet if it's a holiday release this year or if it's not coming until next year. But um, no promises uh, in terms of me finishing Human Revolution. Uh, I screwed up big time on that one. I got, I got, I think fairly close to the end. Um, and and stepped away from it long enough that now I feel like if I want to play it, I really do need to go back uh, and start over. But, Brent, you must be beside yourself uh, with the announcement of this video game, the the uh, follow-up to Deus Ex Human Revolution, starring uh, Adam Jensen, once again. None other than, than Mr. Adam Jensen. I am excited, man. Uh, Deus Ex was a really, really cool game. It, it's, not, uh, it's not a franchise that... I had a lot of history with. I played the first Deus Ex a little bit on PC oh, way back. Loved then. the first game, loved it. But uh, it was it was one of those it was one of those really really pleasant surprises to get into that game last generation. I loved as I think I, as I've said several times the the sandbox nature of the mechanics, not not the world per se, but the the notion of the game presenting you with an obstacle or a problem to solve. And then you have the tools at your disposal to decide how you want to do it. You can tune your upgrades and, and be very stealth heavy. You can tune your upgrades and, and be very offensive heavy or you know some, uh, some variation of both. And, and I love that. I love giving the player the freedom to attack the problem 
the way that they want to. It made for such compelling gameplay. I had I, I just I just was able to really extract every bit of fun out of that game. I felt like there, there was to be had, and I think it also is great for multiple playthroughs. So yeah, I'm I'm so excited to uh, to see this trailer and uh, and can't wait to uh, to actually see a little bit more gameplay and find out more about what we're going to be doing. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm very excited for it too, Brent. I'm I'm looking for what I'm really looking forward to in human in uh, mankind divided is to see how they improve upon human revolution. So there were uh, uh, number one the graphics. I'm really it's such a a beautifully conceived world, and I feel like the the creators of uh, human revolution were a little bit hogtied by the by the. Um, just when they made the game. And I, I'm really excited to see how this game looks on next-gen consoles and on PC uh, when it comes out. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about, especially on the heels of something like the Order 1886, which I'll talk about in, in uh, on the road. But um, um, I, I'm super excited to see how they update this game. I, I was very, I'm very excited that they announced it. And I'm just, I'm eager. Uh, I'm hoping that at E3, we will get some more details about the release of this game. Uh, you and I are going to be sitting right beside each other in that boat. Moving on to the next item in the garage this week, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, Lauren. What do you think? Yeah, this was an interesting... So they just put out an official gameplay trailer, yep. which I thought was really interesting. I don't know that... I, I actually think it's erroneously titled calling it an official gameplay trailer because it didn't... Certainly, they've put out uh, other media in the past that is really just gameplay. And this yeah. this is more like... Uh, kind of like those the it's, Wild it's, West series that exactly. we saw with Red Dead Redemption. Going back to our uh, Rockstar Red Dead Redemption roots here. Which I think is brilliant. And, yep. and to, be, yep. to be candid, Brent, was exactly what I needed. Yes. Because... The fact is, is I watched this trailer uh, and I walked away from it and I've decided that I will be picking up that game as, as, as will you, as we talked yep. about. That's right. And uh, uh, we're both going to pick it up. I think <clears> you're going to, right now you were talking about getting on the PC yeah. uh, and I think I'm going to try it on the PS4 and um, uh, this, is a, this piece of media was exactly what we needed and uh, I, I thought it was a great piece of media. I'm excited to check out the game and see uh and 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 see it it's you know it's it's uh i think it's gonna be one of the bigger releases this year obviously uh and i'm kind of excited to see it on the console like correct me if i'm wrong brent but witcher one and two did not come to the console correct uh i think they were initially pc only releases but maybe they have come out. oh it did you're, you're right it came out on uh, xbox 360 yeah I, I was i was thinking that it uh, that it had come yep. out after yeah, yeah. the fact on yeah 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 and i didn't i obviously didn't get a chance to play it on that on the console but no, I'm very excited to check it out. Uh, it's going to be one of the bigger releases this year. I thought this was a great piece of media. If you're on the fence with Witcher 3, I mean, there was some sort of odd stuff in this piece of media. They seem to highlight the, the nudity or, or, or you know, implied nudity and sexual nature or sure. kind of early on, uh, which, I, which I thought was interesting. But, um, well, I, I think, you know, the series has always, I think, you know, it's kind of prided itself on having adult sensibilities. And, you know, they're wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. Does your wife, does she like photographs? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yes. I think that uh, I, I, I think it's in keeping with what people would expect of the series. I think that, you know, they're I think, you know, they're being cheeky about it and, you know, not. But it, not, it doesn't to me, it does not feel like I don't know. I would not describe it as necessarily exploitative uh, in, in nature. The tone of it. No, no, I didn't feel it was exploitative. It was just it just seemed like an odd. Uh, it seemed a little out of place to me, but but it's it is part of the game. There's no question, and and uh, um, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to this game now uh, more than I was previously. And for anybody who's on the fence, I think this trailer might be good for you to check out. And as you consider, the game's coming out soon, May 19th. 
Uh, I am actually right beside you on this. Uh, once again, you and I are in that same in boat. In the boat. It, like, like we right. watched this trailer, and Lauren was just like, get in the boat. Get in the damn boat. And, uh-huh. uh, and I did. I also was was interested in The Witcher. Certainly, when we first heard about this game, found out it was going to be open world, my ears picked up and or pricked up and said, ooh, that sounds very interesting. And, of course, I've been playing Skyrim, another open world game with... Uh, a lot of a lot of things to do, things to see, and rich story and all that. And I have to say that uh, as I am as I am probably on the bottom half, uh, on the downhill slope of of the main story in Skyrim, and and thinking about what I might be moving on to next, uh, I got to say that uh, that The Witcher sounds like just the thing I need to get going. This video was a fantastic. As, as you said, like this video was the thing that if you're on the fence that you needed to kind of push you over to the other side. And, uh, and, it, and it did for me as well. I, I watched this and thought, yep, that, that I got to play. That looks really good. Yep. So indeed. Uh, all right, Brent. So to do. the third, the third, it's all trailers this week, actually in the it garage. Is, and, yeah. and that's, uh, uh, that's because there's some great trailers out. And we talked about, uh, trying three, a couple of weeks ago, when they announced it, uh, I believe when they announced it that it was coming out, and then of course the uh, you know that it was in 3D, it wasn't just a 2.5D side scroller uh, anymore. And now we have exclusive from IGN. Yep. Uh, we have nine minutes of gameplay uh, highlighting all three characters, and it's it's just it's so good, Brent. I had to put it on here. It's so compelling, and you know one of the things I love the most about Trine is that it, it really is like. Almost more than any other game I've played, kind of along the lines of Little Big Planet, kind of along the lines of Puppeteer, but as much or, or more than those games, it, it is really like that sort of the storybook whimsy um, kind of uh, take in video games, and and I love it. I don't think we see enough of it. And uh, watching this and seeing it expanded out to a to a three D, pl- uh, I mean a three D platformer, I guess is that what you a third person platformer, a puzzle platformer? Sure, yes. Um, I'm not even hundred percent sure how to quantify it, to be honest with you, but um, it defies the quantification of science. Uh, it is. Uh, I, I don't know how you felt, Brent, but I watched this like jaw agape for nine minutes, and I am so excited for this game. I hope they they the first two trines were in 3D, like actual 3D play with your 3D TV, and I hope that they do that with these this game as well. That it's actually 3D, um, you know, like with 3D glasses, in addition to being a 3D puzzle platformer yes uh, but the footage looks so great brent the, they show all three classes they show the wizard they show uh the rogue and they show of course the knight and <laughs> and uh the knight <laughs> with his parasailing shield <laughs> yes um <laughs> it, it just it looks like they've they've integrated so smartly the mechanics of, of each character in in the 3d world yeah uh, and what, what brent is alluding to is in this gameplay you see the knight who carries who's always carried a shield in the trying games um well now you, you know he can walk sort of backward into the frame in a 3d uh, in a 3d capacity and he actually sort of parasails i suppose he jumps off a cliff holds his shield above his head and will slowly sail down despite the fact that it's a metal shield that probably weighs 50 pounds and he weighs about <laughs> 250 pounds but um, it just looks so legit though that's the thing like you you watch that and you're like oh that seems like it would work you know i should go i should go try uh, that this. actually makes sense to the, that week i could do that <laughs> yeah it's great Kind of like jumping off of a like the top of a house while you're holding thirty balloons should keep you afloat. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, I think that uh, uh, again, I'd have to say that I, I agree with you. There's a lot of agreeing going on this week. 
But uh, yeah, there really is. <laughs> it, uh, it it does, man. I mean, it, it looks so fun. It looks so fun, and it's so interesting to see the way that they have uh, the way that they've innovated and and built on what uh, what we've seen in in the previous two games. And uh, and I thought that this video, it, just in terms of a piece of media, I thought was a really great way of kind of showing you here's stuff you'll be doing. Uh, here's here's all the different you know kinds of characters that you can play. Here's, here's some of the different things that you'll be doing, and uh, it, it just it seemed to me that it was a really really great uh, a, a really great way to just engage people and show them why they might be interested in playing your games. And the reasons are legion. Indeed, they are. It's just it's it, it's so unbelievably gorgeous. Again, I encourage you if you have not played Trine One and Two. Uh, they deserve your time. Um, it, it's just unbelievably gorgeous. It's it's fantastical. It is full of whimsy. It's entertaining and, and great this gameplay. Just, great gameplay. This just and great gameplay. And this just looks like one more uh, a, a real step forward for the game. And I just I think it's fantastic. It's coming in 2015. I could not be more excited for this game. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that, just in case any more agreeing in this segment actually leads to the end of the world. You're welcome. <laughs> You're all welcome. Welcome back to the clubhouse, everybody. Grab a chair, kick up your feet. Let's let's talk. Let's have a conversation. But before we do that, shut your pie hole and listen to what my man Lauren Baumgarten has to say in regards to what you had to say in regards to last week's subject, which were revealed in the world famous Outlaw Gamer Radio poll results. Lauren. That's right, Brent. Uh, we took a poll this week again, and uh, we had a lot of users this week uh, talking about how much they enjoyed us discussing game mechanics uh, over uh, industry trends. I, I feel like you know it had been a little while since we talked about mechanics specifically, despite all the wonderful comments um, about us talking about the game mechanics. Only 66 people, Brent, voted in the poll this week, and, and I don't know if it was because the poll was leaning so overwhelmingly in one direction and people just didn't feel it necessary, but it was a topic people seemed interested in. The question that Brent posed was this mini map HUDs. Are they ruining games? We were talking about mini map, yeah. uh, mini maps in the HUD last week and uh, how they affect gameplay. And these were the answers and how they shook out coming in in third place with just 6% of the vote was, I think so. It's just more handholding that waters down modern, modern games right. uh, coming in in second place with 15% of the vote. The answer, no way they've become an essential game mechanic in today's sprawling title. Yep. Uh, and with an overwhelming 79% of the vote was kind of the middle ground where people said, I think some games would benefit in terms of immersion and challenge without them. But, but uh, uh, you know, the, the implied uh, rest of that sentence is, but some of them, you know, actually need them. So I think it was yeah. definitely a very interesting topic. And, and, and there were some uh, super, super interesting points made in the comments. I thought it was a fantastic discussion in the comments this week. So thank you guys. I agree, and uh, and you, you know I think that uh, I think that this week's topic is uh, is kind of similar in that it's it's an exploration of uh, of game mechanic and just you know kind of questioning hey you know does this actually does this actually add anything to games and I'll be uh, I'll be curious to see if if people feel as strongly about what we're going to talk about this week. It's another uh, topic suggested by a, a listener. This is a comment made by Axehead Alex. And uh, we're talking about looting or scavenging. Here's what uh, here's what they have to say. I also find looting or scavenging breaks immersion. In games like Bioshock and The Last of Us, I'm walking around looking at the ground for shit to pick up instead of soaking up the environment and finding the beauty in the game design. I'm finding barrels to break, cabinets to scavenge, 
and bodies to loot. Um, this is a really this is an interesting an interesting entry into the topic. Given the the two titles that I think you mean entree. Oh yes, you're right. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, now I'm so hungry. Um, given the fact that the, that he he brings up uh, Bioshock and The Last of Us specifically, looting is uh, let's face it, it's a it's a big part of a lot of games. I'm playing Skyrim at the moment. Looting is a huge part of Skyrim and a very necessary part. Um, and it's interesting the way that it is it is it is interesting the way that looting can work I think for and against maybe immersion uh just to just to kick things off I think specifically about the last of us I would have to disagree with him on because I feel that so much of what the last of us is about is survival and the the effort that survival requires and so i find the looting in the last of us to be a really integral part of the immersion and and the other things that the looting leads to the fact that the looting leads you to go into uh all of these houses that used to be occupied by real people uh at least that's how it seems because there's been so much care and thought put into how those houses are set up and the personal effects, the, the the personal notes and things like that that are left behind, the pictures on the wall, the the sense that you get of the people who lived in that place, and the fact that your survival requires you to go in there, and it, it sort of constantly reinforces the just how bad things are. You, you know, you know what has uh, what has been lost, and 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 why you find yourself in the situation that you are, this, this incredible loss of life. And so the looting mechanic, I, I think, is actually key to experiencing those things, which in turn, I think, are, are, are a key part of the immersion in The Last of Us. So, Brent, let me ask you something before you move on to Bioshock, yeah. specifically about The Last of Us. So you started off by saying that, that uh, and I think this uh, Last of Us is an excellent example of this, and I'm going to talk about two games that I'm playing, uh, currently Bloodborne in the Order also, but... But The Last of Us, uh, you know, what, you bring up a point about going into the house. Yeah. And I remember, I remember that. I actually remember that. You know, obviously, I, I didn't love that game the first time I played it through. But it stood out to me, that sensation of going in these houses and the sensation of, like, actual people having been there and how empty and alone and how much that reinforced the world. And it was, it was brilliant. It was really, really good in that regard. But you also mentioned that it was kind of... Um, you know, it also reinforced that idea of survival. And, and when you said that, I, my, my first reaction was yes and no. I mean, conceptually, you would think it would. But I feel like uh, Daisy, for example, uh, does a much better job of really creating the sense of survival um, through a looting mechanic because you almost it, it's not common that you find something useful. You find tons of stuff that isn't useful. Are we talking about, you, are we talking about in Daisy? In Daisy, okay, right, yeah, and so yeah, and, and, and and so it really feels like you're surviving, like you're scrounging. Whereas if I remember, and you might have to correct me, but if I remember in The Last of Us, um, items were 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 somewhat um, ubiquitous. I mean, they weren't like really hard to find. They were the way they were in in Daisy, and so I didn't get. I don't remember, well, you, you, you remember there being a real sense of scavenging. The, the the thing with the thing with The Last of Us is kind of like what they're doing in Daisy now, where. You found pieces of things, you know. You you found you found bits of metal, or you found you know cotton wads and things like that that you could then craft into useful stuff. Whether it was weapons, or whether it was 
you know, things to heal yourself. Right. No, I remember that. But that I guess my question was, is they were, they didn't, if I, I, I don't remember them feeling really sparse. I don't remember really struggling to well, find I, I stuff. I think that depends on the difficulty level that you play the game at. Oh, okay. So that's possible. I was playing on uh, the, whatever the default was. Yeah. So I, 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 th- I think that could be a factor, but I'll, I'll agree with you in the sense that Daisy is, is a great example of a game that where, where looting is, I mean, that is the, I, I think the central game mechanic because, uh, that game with the permadeath and whatnot, that game, I think goes a long way to discourage you from just actively engaging in combat. So most of what you're doing is kind of sneaking around and looting, and well, right, and certainly it's central. But I think yeah. you're 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 so smart to bring up something like The Last of Us, which is, or to talk about something like The Last of Us, because well, the looting mechanic he, he, actually he was the smart one who brought right, it. Right? Yeah, no, 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 no. But it actually, in, in the case of The Last of Us, it actually that mechanic is tied to uh, uh, that that other thing, which is sort of walking into these houses and seeing the real families. And I think yeah. uh, that was vibrant. Now you were going to talk a little bit about Bioshock as well. Yeah, you know, Bioshock is a more interesting is a more interesting example. And of course, now in the case of the first Bioshock, the looting, uh, you know, whether whether or not you you uh, you loot the little sisters, uh, you know, obviously that's a, that's a big mechanic of that game's kind of, um, I guess, the moral quandary that that game presents to the player. Um, so I, I don't know, I don't know if I. I if I quite agree with it, although I mean, I get, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying in terms of the, I'm not really looking at the beautiful game world that the, that the creators have, have put together. Now I'm, I'm specifically talking about Bioshock. Now I'm not really looking at, at that world. I'm looking down at the ground to see if there's stuff I can pick up that, that is Skyrim to me right now. Uh, when, you know, especially as I'm going through dungeons and things like that, I'm not looking around all that much. I'm looking at the floor, uh, primarily for things to pick up or for traps. Um, but again, the thing with Skyrim is that it, and I, I don't know, I guess maybe this is a debatable point. Whereas I feel that the last of us is a little bit, I feel it's a little bit more definite. This is perhaps a little bit more diffuse, but for me, the enjoyment out of playing specifically Skyrim is kind of the, the the imaginative kind of role playing going on and thinking about it being like a really classic you know sort of uh dungeons and dragons final fantasy old school final fantasy esque rpg that is about uh it, it's about going into dungeons looting what's there fighting monsters and then coming back with your spoils and, you know, selling it off or, you know, using it to using it yourself to upgrade your weapons and armor and all that. I mean, I mean, it's like really fundamental kind of RPG mechanics. And so I don't know, like maybe not everybody feels that way uh, about Skyrim. Maybe, you know, maybe some people play the game and are kind of like, Oh, come on. I just want to, I just want to have the story and the conversation trees and I'm, you know, I don't really care about this. So maybe it's just like a, an angle of the game that I am particularly enamored of. But, um, but I don't know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me there. Although I guess maybe I can concede that. Maybe I can concede a little bit more of his point in that specific case because I agree. I like. I was just in a dungeon earlier this morning uh, doing some stuff, and I couldn't tell you like what it looked like or what I was doing. They they all get to looking the same after a while anyway. I but guess. you could tell me if you found the sort of Garbanthanon, if yes, you had found that. that. That that I could definitely tell you. Is there you an example know. that you can think of where you agree with him? Is there an example where you can think of a game where you're definitely like, yes, this game suffered. Well, so, 
because of this. It's funny movie. because I was literally just thinking this before I read his post. Yeah. And I was thinking about it. I'll talk a little bit about the two games I'm playing now. But so one of them is the Order 1886, which I just finished. And, and uh, this, you know, this may not be the greatest example. It's not a well-reviewed game, but, but the point is still there. Uh, so there's, there's uh, articles strewn throughout the world. And this is a common, uh, you see this commonly in games that add, that are supposed to add a little bit of story, right? And yeah. so you, you, you find these like pieces of paper on a desk or a table and you pick them up and in the order, they're unbelievably gorgeous and well rendered and you can read them or it's a picture of a family. And if you flip it over, you can, it says like, you know, Johnny and Billy at the falls in 1942. And it's meant to just add to the, to the, the world, the story. Um, and in this game, they're gorgeously rendered, but, but, but what they do is, uh, he's right. It's like, there's, there's, I feel like I have to look everywhere. Every game I play nowadays, every game, I mean, Wolfenstein is a game I love, but like every game I play nowadays, I feel like every room I walk into, I've got to search thoroughly or I might miss an Easter egg yeah. or I might miss a weapon. I feel that uh, as well. I, I agree with that. And, and, and it's almost every single game. And frankly, in, until a game proves me otherwise, and frankly, it's it's somewhat. I, I do. I think it's distracting and somewhat annoying. So I'm playing uh, uh, Bloodborne, uh, which is, uh, uh, according to most, a wonderful game, <laughs> and um, uh, it's a very hard game. Yeah. And and uh, and Bloodborne is, is is a little interesting because, from what I can tell, in the first whatever the fr- I don't even know how to describe this game in terms of hours it took me 10 hours to play the first level but then again the first level isn't really a level because you could have skipped the boss uh, whatever i just read an article somewhere that that something like 23 of the of the 32 bosses or something like that in bloodborne are completely optional uh, which is insane which is amazing to me interesting. but interesting um yeah it is interesting but uh so you have to there you have to roll into the barrels throughout the world and you know one time out of five there's a like a coin hidden there you know it's called a blood echo which is a a, a piece of currency in the game um but it's like one time out of five but you still feel the need to do it because you never know if you're going to miss some sort of like important thing that you might not that, that might be worth a lot of money or whatever and i don't know i i do find it i, I agree i find it distracting i feel like it's I, I don't know if it's like I feel like it was original. I don't know if it was originally sort of utilized to to try and put little Easter eggs around so people might find them, or to try and maybe enhance the the uh, to immerse people in the world a little bit more. In some cases, it's used as a methodology for leveling up, where you gather whether it's animal pelts or string or whatever, and you you, you or money, and you use that to buy or build better items. But at this point, I feel like in literally every game I play, you know, except for example, uh, like the golf club where you're golfing. Yes. But any first person or third person shooter, any kind of isometric uh, type of game, they all have this component of make sure you search the entire room, every room. And it sort of artificially either artificially extends the game by probably hours, which might be why they do it to take more time in each environment. Right, or you, you feel like I'm missing something or giving something up because I don't want to spend all this time searching every goddamn room. Well, uh, are there? I'm trying to think of games that that do involve looting, but where where I don't. Oh, Borderlands Two. What about Borderlands Two? As I say, I was going to say Borderlands Two, Diablo Three. Yeah, these are games where looting is the central mechanic. But it doesn't right? seem to slow down the pace at all in those games. But I, I think it's because it's not. Uh, it literally is the central mechanic, though. I mean, half yeah. of the half of the fun of that game is is the mo- as much as I mean, I remember as much as any uh, any other part of that game, either one of those games. I remember like, oh my god, when I found this weapon, 
that was like the best moment ever. Yes, yes, exactly. Right? And that, exactly. that I think is fundamentally different from something like Bioshock, um, where, uh, you know, in Bioshock, there, there were different lootable, you know, when you say lootable, also, I think it's just that mechanic of searching for something, right? So the audio logs, I, cons- would, I would consider that a sort of, uh, you know, a loot item. It's something you're looking for to find them kind of thing. Right. Um, and those were pretty important to that game. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think so. So could they have been dropped right in the path more? Maybe, you know, maybe I, it's so I think like games like Diablo three Borderlands, whose central mechanic is looting one of their main central mechanics. It's kind of a different story. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think maybe maybe that's the thing, uh, because that was in, in, a, in a sense, that was the point I was kind of making on the last of us. I felt like the looting was such a central part of that uh Right, of that, that game. I that, agree. I concur with that. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what The Last of Us would be like if there wasn't looting. I, I, I guess is, is what it ultimately boils down. Imagine to. what the well. Try to imagine The Last of Us without the looting, but with a mechanic that that in a reasonable way. And I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, except for maybe just the story itself and where you have to go because of the story. Yeah. But imagine if you said no looting in The Last of Us, but that didn't stop you from having to go inside of these houses and see the real people that lived there. Like, if you could still have that piece, but the looting itself, the need to pick up string so, and... But, but uh, it, it would just be, it would be like a purely player-initiated thing. Like, just because you're curious and you want to, you do No, this. no, no, no. No, no. I'm saying somehow they, they make another design decision. Okay. That, that, that creates that... Because that, that was a very powerful emotional experience in The was. Last of Us. That's, it was, yeah. And so I, I think it's fundamental to that game. And so if they... If the, if the, and so not, you don't want to leave that up to player... Um, you know, player volition, but if they created another mechanic that sort of necessitated that you do that, mm. um, and then they remove the looting, so to get whatever the looting was used for, you were building, I assume, what were you building with the looting stuff? Like uh, first aid kits and stuff like that, I guess? Well, yeah, you built first aid kits, you built uh, nail bombs, you know, you built, uh, you built lock picks. Uh, right, so that, imagine that, that, that imagine the nail bombs and the lock picks and the and the first aid kits were obtained by some other method. Yeah. Right. Where you, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know what that would be when you kill the enemy, they, they pop out of them or, you know, when you get to a certain checkpoint, but isn't there's, that kind there's of a safe house. Like, you know, Oh, this, you know, this, this sort of fun guys, you know, zombie guy just happened to drop a nail bomb. Thanks. Well, it could be, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a convention of the genre that we sort of expect in the context of, um, uh, you know, we like we expect ammo to just fall out of people, kind of thing. But well, but, no, I mean, you're, but but you're right. Like is, maybe maybe the, it's the whole point. You're taking the ammo that they had that they were shooting at. You know, they were using to shoot at you up until the moment you killed them, and now you're taking that ammo from them. Yeah, no, no, I understand that. But I'm just talking about the idea of stuff popping out of of enemies. But so maybe it's maybe it's a safe house. You know, every ten minutes you you happen in one of the houses you find that they lead you through has a place where you can restockpile a limited amount of things or, yeah. you know, I don't know, some other reasonable thing that doesn't require you looting to do it. Well, I can certainly think of games that, that don't involve, you know, looting. Well, I mean, uh, you know, Shadow of Mordor uh, as an example. You know, not, not a lot of looting going on in that game. Well, and what do you notice about that, Brent? I mean, I think, you know, what it is is I think it affects pacing. Yeah. You know, I, looting, looting changes the pacing. I, I agree. I, I, I think maybe that is the, maybe that's the fundamental thing that we're kind of talking about. Uh, at, at least for for us, is that is that looting does change the pacing of the game, and I although I can't necessarily think of anything right now, I can't think of an example uh, of a game that had looting mechanics that I thought detracted from it. But I'm not saying that that it's never happened. I'm just maybe not coming up with anything right off the top of my head. However, um, I, I I can concede the point 
that that I've played games where looting draws your eye away from the game world and you kind of get tunnel visioned into search this room, search this cupboard, search this shelf, find, 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 find stuff to craft, sell, use, whatever. So um, I think what we ought to do is turn it over to the audience and let them sound off uh, on games that they've played where maybe this is this has worked well maybe not worked well and what specifically about it they found to uh, to work well or not as the case may be uh again you know uh, another another discussion sprawling discussion on on a, on a game mechanic that i think maybe a lot of us take for granted it's like well what else are you going to do if you don't loot in games well you know that that'd be a great question if anybody's got any suggestions uh, answer that question. And pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention as you're playing, you know, after you listen to this episode over the next few days. Pay attention and see. I, I think it's almost it's almost sort of insidious in that we don't notice, kind of like the, 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 um, that, that HUD element. We don't really notice that it, how it affects gaming. But I, I encourage people to start paying attention and see yeah. how the things affect pacing and how much pacing, you know, that, that feeling of forward momentum and moving through a game instead of just being in a game. Um, how that changes your relationship to the experience, and so Good point. I would encourage you to sort of sort of look at it, and, and then come back here and write about it. Damn it! Yes. All right, guys, it's time to hit the road, saddle up, and uh, let's talk about uh, what we've been playing this week. Uh, more of the same for uh, for most of this section. Lauren, you're going to talk a little bit more about Bloodborne. Have you have you been able to decide whether or not you like this game or not yet? Uh, it is on sale for forty dollars on Craigslist right now. If you would like to buy it from me, <laughs> That's um, <an> answer. <laughs> so, uh, so here's the thing: we had a listener in our comments from last week who said he's been waiting every week for me to to come back and talk about loving this game and why is it different? Yeah. If I love Dark Souls too so much, or Dark Souls so much that why, what's so different about this? And the truth is, is I can't put my finger on it. To be honest, I'm not sure what is making that experience different. But the fact is, is that uh, I'm not. I'm not loving it, and I haven't been. I haven't been compelled to go back and play it. I look at it, and I don't want to put it in the disc drive, honestly. And um, I, I, you know, maybe I'll revisit it at some point. But it's it's just really. I mean, I played a good ten to twelve hours of the game, probably, and it's just. I just don't think it's for me. And so I, I did. I put it on. I put it up for sale on Craigslist, and uh, see if I if somebody wants to take it off my hands, or I'll sell it on eBay or whatever. And it's not. It's just. It's not doing it for me. So I think it's time to move on from Bloodborne, Brent. Uh, I would have to agree with you, sir. Um, it's uh, I, I guess that my feeling on it was just very brief. If you were going to like that game, you would have known already. You know, that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's there's times when, although I don't know, I, I say that I'm not really necessarily thinking of video games. I'm trying to think of if, there, if there's games I've played that I've just been like, no, I don't like this. No, I don't like this. And then all of a sudden, hey, I like it. Um, not, not so much that, although, I mean, I'll be honest, I've taken, I've had to take a stab at a couple of games before I actually sort of got into them enough to, to keep going. There have been games that I've started and, and stopped and had to start and stop before I I got into it, but I've never played anything as long as you had not really being sure if I liked it or not. No, but I press you know a game like that, and like the and the Last of Us or whatever that has something like a ninety three on Metacritic and is just universally loved. Yeah, I feel like it deserves a little bit more 
of my time and and it's just it just never it never clicked for me yeah i got you i apologize to our listeners who've been wanting me to come on and talk about how great bloodborne is because i know we have a lot of people that love the game but it's just it's just not working for me right now you never apologize to me for not liking the last of us you son of a anyway (laughs) uh moving on i'm playing skyrim still love it again love it loving it it. my god this is you know uh, there's a game not exactly the same as what we were just talking about, but uh, there's a game that's taken me years to discover just how much I love. Not because I never thought I would dislike it or or anything, but just because it was such... You know, I, I played it initially on the PlayStation 3, and I had that big problem, and then I stopped playing it, and, and you know, eventually I got it on, uh, on on the PC, but never really did anything with it. And It was just so intimidating. It was just so intimidating because I knew it was going to be a game that was going to require a lot of time, and... After my daughter was born, I didn't have a lot of time, so on and so forth. But um, boy, now that I'm now that I'm I'm playing it, I, I you know basically like you know the sort of like the downtime that I have, you know that hour uh, hour after Z goes to bed, you know a couple hours in the morning before she wakes up. I mean that, that's pretty much me playing Skyrim, and it's I'm I'm definitely not doing everything in the game as my inclination is to do. You know every side quest and all that stuff. I, I just can't, but the the immersiveness of the world, the 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 great feeling of, of trekking around, of, of going and discovering new places, the, uh, the 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 political intrigue and and all of that stuff, um, man, it, it's just working for me so much. The 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 kind of the the, the struggle between the Nord, the Nords and the Empire, and the uh, the not so subtle. You know, kind of undertones of the the actual Norse and the Roman Empire, and you know all of these things that, that there being this this whole angle to the story that uh, you know the empire's coming in, they want to outlaw worshiping Talos, the the native the native god of the Nords, and and the the parallels you know to what you know why the Viking Age actually ended, and the uh, the the sweep of Christianity through that part of Europe. Uh, it, it's just engaging me on, on so many levels, and I, it's not to say that it's not to say that I wouldn't necessarily enjoy other titles in the Elder Scrolls series, but this one having you know such a strong kind of uh, connection to my interest in Viking history and mythology and everything is particularly well suited for me. And I think, as I said earlier, I'm kind of on the downhill slope of the uh, of the main story quest now. If it feels like I'm like I'm, I'm moving through that at a pretty good clip. And I really, really would like to, I think, maybe finish that up and just have my game, my game save with a whole bunch of those side quests left in the world that I can go and you know, just play the game in kind of a sandbox mode uh, and, and go and enjoy some of that stuff and enjoy the world, experiment with mods and things like that. But uh, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing the story through at this point. Yeah, such a great game, man. I had such a good time playing that game. Um, Me too. All right, Brett, you know, I really want to talk about just for a few minutes, the order 1886. I finished the game this week. Um, and it is honestly one of the most unique game playing experiences I've ever had in my life. And the reason it's one of the most unique experiences I've ever had is because it is at once, uh, one of, if not the most beautifully visually games I've ever played. Mm. Uh, it is the world building in the game is fantastic. The acting, the voice acting is among the best I have ever seen in any video game that didn't have Mark Hamill in it. <laughs> um, 
And with that one caveat. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, it's like benchmark setting. It's incredible. It really is more than any other game I've played, like a benchmark for this generation of consoles. It is phenomenally uh, polished visually and, and uh, um, the characters and their animations. and the, I mean, it just looks incredible. At the same time, it is, it is dazzlingly... Um, poorly designed from a game standpoint and, and to the to the point that it's it, it, it's uh, it, it's almost unbelievable it's so weird many things right except being a game it, i mean it really is in, i mean it, it's i encourage people to play it when it comes down in price to 10 or 20 bucks because it, it's worth looking at um as an experiment but it is uh it, it, it's they took this amazing set of tools they have and they just, I mean, I said it before, Brent, it's like the difference between a, a melody and just like this series of staccato notes. And it's just from beginning to end, you, you almost never go more than 45 seconds to a minute having control of the character. And it's so weird. But they have, they have one of the best tool sets in the history of video games. And if they had just gotten out of their own way... They they could have had a game of the year. Right. Um, I mean, it really it's that compelling. The world is that cool. The the weapons are. I mean, all the everything in the world is so beautifully realized, and the characters are captivating. And I mean, uh, you know, Sir Galahad, the lead character, is fantastic. And I think you would love love this world, Brent, and the relationship with Tesla and the weapons. Oh yeah. And the weapons were fun. And and but they just I, I think in an attempt to make make a a very cinematic game. They went overboard, and what is astounding to me is that nobody in the leadership of this company recognized it because it's so egregious. Yeah. And I want to like I want to keep the game because the world was so compelling, but there's no point in playing the game over. There's no reason to play it over. And they just they just put out this like this really robust photo mode to the game today. I think the update came out to take pictures of these gorgeous environments. And all I could think is why, why would you spend any time doing this three months after this game came out uh, when the game is not good? Yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous, but, but nobody's going to be playing the game moving forward. I don't think. And it's really weird. I mean, it's really amazing, Brent. I, I it's really like a, if uh, you know, beautiful, just like unbelievably beautiful failure, well acted, super interesting failure. It, yeah. And I did, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it just, like, I don't want to go back and play it again because I can't sit through another 10 hours of stopping and starting every 60 seconds. And, Brent, I don't know if you remember that I told you last week that I was only through Chapter 8 and that I wanted to finish the game, but yeah. I was only through Chapter 8 and there were 16 chapters. Well, I came to find out, that, find out after that that at least two, if not three, of the chapters in the game are just cutscenes. You literally, it, it literally says like chapter thirteen cutscene, and then there's and then there's about 14. six six minutes of cutscene, wow. and then it says chapter fourteen. Wow, uh, uh, that, and, that seems that seems and it's excessive. weird. Like you look at chapters one, two, three, four, whatever, and there's like three to five parts in them, and then the like the last five chapters of the game, one part, all have only two parts, yeah, yeah. Uh, or one part. It was really. Do you think it, it was? Go ahead. Ask do you me think that this, yeah. this gets fixed by a sequel? Do you, do you think that that the the fundamentals of the game, the 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 mythos, the the characters, etc., do you think it's strong enough that they can come back and say, okay, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? Let's do a, let's do another game and let's let's keep the good, dispatch the bad, and and maybe get to something that is quite good. 
Yeah, I mean, I genuinely, without knowing what's going on at the company, and I do, do not mean this to be disrespectful to the company, but honestly, I do think the mythos in the world and the tool set is good enough that it absolutely deserves a sequel. Uh, I, I just, and this, again, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I think it needs to be either made by another company or they need to get rid of many of the people in leadership because clearly there were, you know, there was obviously a director and a head of production and there were all these lead people involved in this and not one of them, at least not anyone with enough power, uh, was able to stop this from happening. And so, I 100% think this game deserves a sequel. I 100% think that um, it can be fixed in a sequel. It just needs to be made by a different company. All right. Well, yeah. I, I, um, I'll keep an eye and see if it goes on sale or, or maybe it, gets, it becomes a freebie with PSN Plus at some point. And then, uh, maybe yeah, I so when that happens, it's it worth out. your time to check it out because it's that kind of – it was cool enough and pretty enough yeah. that it kept me going and wanting to – I actually wanted to play through it. I wasn't playing through it begrudgingly, but – I was sort of annoyed a lot of the time that I was playing it. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk briefly about, and I don't want you to talk too much because I really want to play the game for myself. Uh, no, no, there's, I, there's not much for me to talk about. I just started playing okay, but, it. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes, Crimes and Punishments. Yeah, so uh, on the heels of finishing the Order 1886 and being done with Bloodborne, um, uh, I've been, I was looking for another game to play. Now, I was able to just uh, make my PS4 my primary brand, which means I could get my game saves for um, Dragon Age, which is awesome because yeah. now I want to play it again. Uh, however, I was in the store, and Target had uh, this game on sale for 30 bucks. It's a game that has been very well-reviewed, um, and I've had my eye on it for a while, but I just wasn't really... 60 bucks was too high of a price point for me. Well, they had it on sale for 30 bucks, uh, so I picked it up. Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment. And I've really only played about the first 10 minutes of the game, but I'm very excited to get into it. And, um, I, you know, I'll have more to report to you next week. Right now, I don't have a lot to, uh, to report, except that, I, you know, the, the beginning has been fun. But I haven't played. This is from uh, Focus uh, Interactive yeah. and Frogware. And I haven't played any of the games in the Sherlock Holmes series from them. In the Sherlock Holmes series. So uh, the mechanics are all new to me uh, and, and all of that. And so I'll have more to report on that next week. But, but uh, yeah, picked it up. Excited to check it out. I'm excited to hear about it. I, I also, uh, this is the one that was on PSN Plus, And um, I got it as well. PSN Plus. PSN Plus. Uh, I keep meaning to play. It was on the PS3. And I keep meaning to, uh, to check it out. I, I love I, I like in Skyrim. I just finished. There's like a side quest in Windhelm, where you're investigating a murder. I just finished up that side quest recently, and I, I love it. I, you know, we talked about L.A. Noir. I love I love the idea of detective games. Uh, it's one of you know that Detective D uh, Kickstarter that I, I talked about on the show. Uh, I just I, I love that. I love the idea of detective games. There's, there's something so compelling to me about. Uh, uh, about doing that, and I'm I'm always looking for I'm always looking for ones to uh, to check out, you know, see what they do what they do well, and uh, all that kind of thing. I'm I'm down for it. Yeah. So did you? I'm sorry. Did you say that you picked this up on PS3? Uh, I got if it's the same one, if it's Crimes and Punishments that was on PSN Plus, it is last yeah. month. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've got it. Oh, good. You should check it out. It's supposed I to be know. very good. So I'll let you know. Cool. Uh, all right, Brent. With that, I believe we've come to the end of yet another episode yes indeed 
of Outlaw Gamer Radio. And as usual, we want to hear what you, the listener, has to say about everything we talked about, including Sherlock Holmes, Crimes and Punishments, The Order, 1886, Skyrim, and Bloodborne. What we talked about while we were hanging out in the clubhouse, whether or not you think looting or scavenging as a mechanic in games uh, breaks immersion, or maybe uh, if you think it's uh, particularly works particularly well in some games or feel like it's just being overused any, any of those uh, any of your thoughts on looting and scavenging we'd like to hear about and of course what we talked about in the garage trying three woohoo the artifact of power the witcher the witcher three wild hunt and the announcement of deus ex mankind divided we want to hear your thoughts on all of those things and anything related to gaming that's why we're here we want to hear what you have to say as usual he is brent adams i am lauren Baumgart, and remember You don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing.